Summer Camp and COVID-19, presented by the Sherry Group, LLC. Yes, hello, welcome to Summer Camp and COVID-19, presented by the Sherry Group, LLC. I am Drew Demery, here with my co-host, David Sherry, and today we have with us Ricky Wright. Welcome to the program, Ricky, how you doing? I'm doing great, great to be here. Awesome, great to have you with us. Ricky, I want to dive right in and get to know your camp a little bit. What, uh, what does your camp look like in a normal year? Tell me about it. Sure. So we're a year-round YMCA resident camp, uh, primarily serving youth uh, during the shoulder seasons. We have a pretty robust outdoor education program. Uh, and then obviously during the summer months, we run traditional summer camp programming with some specialty camps as well, uh, equestrian, small tripping program. And in the normal summer, we would serve somewhere around 12 to 1,400 uh, kids in our summer programs. Gotcha, gotcha. So then what happened this summer, <laughs> right? There's COVID-19, and I think you're the first person that we're talking to that um, wasn't, wasn't able to go forward with summer camp really much at all. Tell us what this year looked like for you. We did make the decision um, in uh, about mid-May uh, to not operate uh, our summer camp programs this summer. And uh, so it, it was pretty lonely around here. Uh, it was uh, primarily me uh, with some volunteers helping uh, kind of keep the camp running. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we kind of protected our assets, took care of the property, uh, that kind of thing. But uh, first and foremost, it was really just kind of me around here, um, which was a, a far cry from what it would normally be. Uh, with, with kids running around laughing and playing and staff uh, creating those magical moments for them. So it was a, a very unique summer, one like I've never experienced, obviously, in my 31 years. So lonely is a good word um, that I think uh, could be used to describe how this summer felt uh, in some respects. Yeah, and I think us camping people, we hate being lonely, right? We're such social people that given nine months out of the year, we kind of feel that loneliness and then summer camp comes and it's like, yes, people are here and we can have some fun. And I think we all really missed out on that this year. So <laughs> that, that hits hard. Um, so Ricky, what drove that decision then in May? Was that a state decision or an internal YMCA decision or? Yeah, so our decision to not operate this summer was uh, a decision that we made as an organization, uh, meaning the YMCA of Lansing. Uh, however, our, um, we were under executive orders from our governor uh, to close down gyms and facilities like camp uh, beginning very early on, which was in uh, about mid-March. You know, there was a lot of things that, that we all worked through, listening to the CDC, the American Camp Association. Uh, we were heavily invested in the national calls that YMCA of the USA uh, was offering uh, for, for camps like ours. And ultimately, what kind of drove our decision, it was kind of a three-pronged approach. And uh, it was, can we deliver a program that's going to be safe? And that is, that is always first and foremost in our mind, is what we're doing um, with the best interest of our campers and staff safety in mind. The second uh, piece of that stool, if you will, was, um, can we run a program that's safe and has the impact that we expect our, of our programs? And then thirdly um, was, can we run a program that's financially viable, um, that is also safe and impactful? And when we kind of looked at everything, 
Uh, we just didn't see a path forward for us uh, to first and foremost um, guarantee safety um, of not just our camp community, but we also had a, a, a huge concern for uh, kids coming to camp and then going back to their communities and potentially um, being exposed to COVID at camp and spreading it back home. There's been a lot of talk about how, you know, the, the, the infection rate among kids or, or um, the symptoms among kids don't tend to be as serious as maybe other age groups. Uh, but the, the issue that we looked at was these kids live with folks that may be in that age group. They visit with folks that may be in that age group. And so overall, our decision came down to community health and safety. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Right now, it's on my mind as well. All these camps are reporting, oh, no COVID cases here at camp this summer. We did great. And I, I think that, yeah, they probably did some great things. And hopefully they were able to offer that impactful experience. But then I also think about, well, they went back to the community, like you said, and maybe they were asymptomatic while they were at camp. And that kind of community component, that public health component, I got to think that summer camps that did run may have affected public health in a negative way. I don't know that, but that's a bit of a inkling that I have at the moment. Well, did they actually take something back into the community? How would you know? You'd have to do some extensive tracing. Well, it, the, other, the other thing that I think is important to note, and we weren't alone in this. Um, so camps that made this decision or camps that made alternate plans, which, which ultimately I don't know of a camp that ran business as usual. Um, so we all used whatever information we had available to us at the time uh, by experts in the health community uh, and, and, and some other industries that helped drive our decisions. But as, as you both know, uh, you know, camps have to plan seasons ahead and, and sometimes years ahead. And the information that we were working off of when we made the decision to not operate our camp was the information that was available in mid to late April and even early May. And at that point, uh, we knew a lot less than we do now. Um, I, I feel like this, this thing just continues to evolve and more information becomes available. And uh, like, like you said, you know, some camps made the decision to operate and that may have been the right decision for their camp. Uh, we made a decision that we felt was right for our camp and we still stand behind that decision. We're, we certainly have not looked back and thought, oh boy, you know, we could have done this or we could have done that. We're, we're very comfortable and content with where we currently are with the decision that we made. Gotcha. I'm gonna pitch it over to Dave here for a second. Yeah, I wanna jump in quick first and, and congratulate you, Ricky. I think that um, I, admire, I admire the fact that you were able to make a decision that you think is best for your for the kids that you serve, the families that you serve, um, what was best for your camp, even though that was a difficult decision to make. I think that that's uh, a real sign of leadership to do what's hard. Um, even sometimes what's right isn't easy, right? And, and the fact that you were able to make that decision is, says a lot about you and, and your leadership team. Can we go back a little bit? You said um, that you had a kind of a three-pronged approach. Can we be safe? Uh, the impact and financially viable. Let's just talk a little bit about can we be safe and what what kind of things were you looking at saying, you know, I'm not sure we can do this and be safe. Sure. So, you know, the, uh, the thing that jumped out at me uh, first and foremost was the dining hall. And, and what will a dining hall look like? What will meals look like? 
And uh, when we started to look at, well, here's some alternative ways that we could serve meals. Uh, we could do box and goes. We could uh, uh, we could we could do takeaways, you know, or we could have groups sit in in different areas around camp. But then you start thinking about well, what happens in inclement weather. Um, meals seemed to 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 at, at initial glance be an area that we had concern. Um, social distancing of just kids in general. Um, you know, obviously we we knew from the get go that if kids came to resident camp their pod, as, as it has become known, um, was, was going to need to be their cabin group. But how do you keep all the other kids uh, separate from each other? How do you um, deal with equipment in between uses? You know, masks or no masks. And at, that, at the time that we made our decision, uh, there was still some debate about whether or not people should be wearing masks. And uh, so there was just a lot of different um, elements uh, from, from the health industry, uh, from the camping industry, from our state licensing, that in order to meet the safety of our camp and our community, both staff and campers, um, we just it eventually did not see a path forward. I think one of the things that, that has not been talked enough about, um, at least in conversations I've had with other camp directors, is there's, all, there's been this huge focus on the kids, which Obviously, that's the industry that we're in, right? We, if it wasn't for kids, uh, we wouldn't need camps. But that being said, our staff was a huge concern for us, meaning we've got staff that are in the age of the vulnerable populations. Um, our staff are going to be coming from a lot of different areas. And then when they get on site, you know, how do we kind of keep them at, within the bubble and, and not turn them into super spreaders? And um, so there, I, I just heard a lot of uh, um, folks over the last few months talk about kids don't tend to get COVID at the, the rate that adults do, you know, so on and so forth. But we also had to keep in mind our staff. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I appreciate you sharing that. How did you get to the point of making the decision of not running any program? A lot of, a lot of people chose to run day camps or um, family programs. I'm assuming that your location, maybe you want to explain to people where you're located and had something to do with that, or was there other things that led to the decision to do a, a full close down? I mean, you talk about the difficult decision, and uh, obviously it was, but I can tell you now in hindsight, the decision to do a complete close down for us, I, I just look back and I say it, it was probably always our option one when I look back in hindsight. And making that decision, it turns out, was easier than living with that decision, uh, as you can imagine. And uh, we, we decided that for us, moving forward in a different capacity, whether it was, um, you've heard about some camps that ran at a reduced capacity, or some camps that ran family camps, uh, some camps that, that opted instead of being a resident camp, they become a day camp. And uh, you mentioned our location. Um, for one, we're, we're, not, we're in a very rural setting. The, the nearest um, uh, community to us that I would say is a, that is of any size um, may be Mount Pleasant, Michigan, and that's 30 minutes away. And so we're not in a real great area when, it, when, it, when we talked about shifting to maybe a day camp model. So that, that was kind of out for us um, pretty early on. And then to be quite honest with you, 
Um, keeping the safety in mind, still when we were thinking about a family camp pivot or something like that. But then also that's where the that's where um, can we staff it appropriately? Here here we were with a March shutdown, and our staff had not been working now since you know some of them. If if you're talking about program staff, they may have not been with us since the last fall or the or the previous summer. And uh, so it's like, hey, can can we pull a team together in time uh, to to pull off something? And then is it going to be financially viable? Um, um, so I, I do think that ultimately you needed to look at whether or not a program was going to pay for itself um, or were you just going to end up um, pumping money into something. And, and I understand that that mission is important. Believe, believe me, that's uh, first and foremost on our mind all the time. We also have to run our organization fiscally responsible. And uh, for us, we didn't see any of those other models working for us. Um, with the three-pronged approach that I talked about. So there were uh, a lot of camps that were in your situation or ran some partial program, but ultimately had to make the difficult decision to uh, furlough some staff, furlough or lay off some staff. And I know from our previous discussions, you had to make that. Could you talk a little bit about that decision and, um, and just what it meant to you as a person, as a leader, to do that? had to have been a difficult thing to do. Your camp is really as good as your staff. And uh, they're, they're, they're the lifeline of, of, of our operation. And, you know, even having been through it this many months later, I'm still getting a little emotional talking about it. There's, unfortunately, due to COVID, there's a lot of great um, camping folks that are not in camping now. And uh, we, you know, it, really the decision to furlough staff and to lay staff off um, came down to uh, to finances uh, for many of us, and uh, it's not easy. Families were affected, um, individual people were affected, and uh, it's also going to take an incredible rebuilding process now as we move forward uh, to prepare for a reopen, uh, whenever that is, depending on your case. How have you How have you handled that? How have uh, had to be personally challenging for you? How have you managed with that kind of stress and what advice would you give to others who are going through it? You know, it's interesting because I, I don't think if you, I don't think you talk to most camping professionals, they'll tell you that this is a stress-free industry. Uh, but this summer has been, and, and spring has been a very different kind of stress. In fact, I, I, I even, you know, I, I'm no mental health professional, but I'd say anxiety um, has been um, probably more prevalent than ever before and just the anxiety of the unknown, but also the anxiety of knowing that your decisions are having an impact on families of, of your staff. And uh, it hasn't been easy. I, I think one of the things that um, I, I appreciate just about the human spirit is that the folks that, that have um, been laid off or furloughed and have been on the receiving end of those difficult decisions, for the most part, they've been very understanding and, and they get it. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it makes it easier or, or less impactful on their lives, but I would say that it probably makes it a little bit easier for somebody sitting in my shoes um, to know that at least those folks know that it wasn't personal, it wasn't targeted, um, and uh, I, I hope that they know that we did everything we could prior to getting to that point. 
So there was some there was some positive right that came out of all this. The volunteers have shown up and have been supportive at uh, at Camp Mystic Lake. Can you talk a little bit about some of the good things that you're seeing and some of the positive success you've had this summer? Yeah, absolutely. So you know, I I, I guess you know not to to, to use a, a a cheesy cliche or anything, but I'm going to. And then it's sometimes you get to try to make lemonade out of lemon, right? So we just kind of looked early on as, okay, if we don't operate, what do we got to do to make sure that we're going to be ready to go when the game starts again? And first and foremost, that was make sure that we protect our physical assets, our property, our program areas, our equipment. And the way to do that, because here I am sitting alone at camp, was to call on our camp family, our volunteers, our alumni, um, staff that were going to be working here this summer. And, uh, you know, we've, we've received um, what I would consider to be a, a, a pretty solid response from folks. And uh, we've been managing it. We've been getting um, a lot of work done. Uh, unfortunately, we're not getting all the work done that we'd like to, but that really hasn't been because of a lack of volunteer offers. It's also because there's not a lot of money uh, to do things when you're not operating. But uh, yeah, it, it, it's been nice to see the outpouring from our, our camp community and what can I do to help? How can I step up? What does camp need? Um, and so that certainly uh, ha has been a bright spot. So one of the many things I love about visiting with you, Ricky, is you're a great storyteller. Have you got a good story that's come out of this summer working with your volunteers? Somebody that uh, in particular has really stepped up or made a difference? I've got two, um, and uh, I need to share both because of the impact that they've had. One is uh, uh, a gentleman's been living here at camp with his wife. Him and his siblings first came to camp on scholarship back in the 60s and the 70s. Two of his brothers have won the YMCA of Lansing's most prestigious volunteer award in the past uh, for, their, for their work giving back to camp. And he contacted me very early on, must have been probably late May, early June, and said, hey, look, I know you've got a um, big task ahead of you in, in managing that property, and I want to help. Well, I didn't know that him helping was going to turn into, he and his wife have literally moved into one of the cabins on our camp. He worked uh, typically 10 days on and four days off. And when I talk about 10 days on, he's doing eight to 10 hour days, working around the property, maintaining the grounds. Um, and it's, it's actually been absolutely amazing, um, the work that he's done. And, 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 I, and um, his name is Mark Rappelje. I think it, it, it is worth noting here. And his family, the Rappelje family, have just been incredible advocates for camp and incredible volunteers. Camp would not be where it is right now physically if it was not for the efforts of, of, of this man. And then the other one uh, is a 17-year-old junior counselor that was scheduled to spend her first summer uh, working for us. And she contacted me very early on and said, look, my group of CITs are very bummed about the summer getting canceled, but we want to give back to camp somehow. And so she organized a group of about 15 of um, her former uh, CITs to come up to camp for a day and they got a ton of work done, but I, I think it was just more important the fact that here's this very young person um, that is still evolving through life and learning about giving back and, and stewardship. And uh, what, it, what it told me was 
the future of our camp staff is really, really bright. That's great. Two great stories. Thanks for sharing those. That's awesome, Ricky. Thanks. The summer staff just always blow me away. You know, it, young people love summer camp and older people love summer camp, but it, it's the summer staff that really make it so special, I think. You know, many of us in camping, and, and, and I was a camper here, so I, I, I have a very unique and special vantage point, I think, here at Mystic Lake. And, and I, I said to somebody very early on that, you know, I don't owe the camp anything. I owe the camp everything. And I think there's a lot of people that are in this industry uh, that feel that way. Absolutely. Ricky, what does the future look like for you guys? Are you, are you going to hit January 1st and hit reset? Or um, what might the next nine months look like for you guys? You know, hopefully we get a, a vaccine and, and things get somewhat back to normal here and we can do summer camp um, kind of normally again next year. Um, what does that path look like for, for you all? We're not opening this fall and uh, we're not opening this winter. And uh, that was primarily driven um, by us, although we rely, I think I mentioned at the beginning of this um, uh, podcast, that we rely heavily on schools for our um, year-round business. And many of them virtual and, and, uh, or, or a hybrid of virtual and in-person. And field trips were just kind of off the, um, off the table for them. So we're just kind of uh, going to do what we've got to do to try and get through this year. And then uh, January, we'll, we'll start ramping up again. Um, but we're, we're not planning on right now a reopen until next spring or possibly next summer. Uh, we're hoping for spring, uh, but uh, we're going to make sure that when we do reopen, that we do it um, uh, strategically, slowly, and uh, safely. We are getting ready to start um, a fundraising campaign within the next couple of weeks. And we're going to reach out to our camp uh, alums and families. And uh, this summer was scheduled to be our, our 95th year of camping uh, at Mystic Lake. And so our campaign is going to be called the next 95. And this is um, just going to be to help kind of position us to get us through the rest of the year and into next year so that when we do reopen, we're ready to play. That's interesting. I, I think people in the community and in the world in general are, sh are starting to shift into that academic year, right? They're starting to think about school more now that it's, it's started and, and summer camp might be kind of in the rear view. So how are you going to engage people in that fundraiser then? How are you going to let them know that, yeah, summer camp, it was, it was a tough year for us. We need some support to make next year happen and, and keep the doors open, that kind of a thing. What might that fundraiser look like? So we're, we're going to use GoFundMe. Uh, which is uh, we have, we have never done uh, we have never used any sort of online uh, giving platform before, but we have settled on uh, GoFundMe, and uh, we're going to hit it pretty hard um, through social media and um, electronic communication with our camp alums and families. Uh, there's going to be some behind the scenes phone calls that get made, but for the most part, it's going to be done uh, via social media, uh, which is actually where we've had a lot of our um, communication with alums. Uh, during this process, um, as it has been anyhow. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. I mean, it, it's, it's unchartered uh, territory for us as an organization. I mean, you know, Lansing Y, we've never done any um, real robust online giving uh, campaign. 
and uh, we are going it into going into it with strategy and and we've got um, a behind the scenes template that we're going to be working off of so that we can consistently message it and uh, not let it just get into somebody's news feed and then work its way to the bottom. Um, we are going to try to keep ourselves um, coming up towards the top as we run the campaign. Probably have it last a couple of months long and then we'll see where we are. Good for you. That's great. I'm glad to see that, uh, that there's a plan moving forward. Let's, uh, we're, we're getting short on time, but can you talk a little bit about hope? Do you have hope looking forward? And, and what kind of hope or advice would you share for other people in the industry that might listen to this podcast? Here's what I've learned um, during this process. Nobody's alone in this. Probably every feeling that I have had, I can talk to another camp director or another camping professional, uh, whether it's the two of you or, 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 or a camp parent, um, we, we've had the same feelings about what's going on. And, and I think that's comforting to know that there's an army of folks out there that we can lean on. And uh, I do have um, hope, um, but more, more than hope, I have optimism. And uh, I think that if we just stay true uh, to, to who we are and we continue to make informed decisions that keep kids and staff and families um, as the priority, I, I think we'll get through this. And, uh, but if I were to just, if, if there was one message that I could give folks, it's just that, you know, we're going through this together and, uh, and we're going to get through this. It, it's going to take a lot of hard work. Uh, camps are probably going to be, they're going to look different for a while, uh, whether that's programmatically, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the, the number of staff that you have, um, full-time, part-time, um, but uh, we're, we're, we're going to make it. And, uh, you know, we've just got to stick together as an industry. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you for your time, Ricky. And, and not only thank you for your time, but thanks for your friendship. You're, you've been a great guy to keep in touch with through all of this. I've enjoyed our conversations, not just today, but over the last several months. And I appreciate your leadership. Absolutely. I, I, I appreciate you all too. And, you know, thanks for giving me the opportunity um, to be here today. Absolutely. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, Dave. We're going to cut it there. This has been Summer Camp and COVID-19 presented by the Sherry Group LLC. We'll see you next week. This has been Summer Camp and COVID-19 presented by the Sherry Group LLC. Thank you for listening.